Hello and welcome to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Tagal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with not one, but two guests. Stefan Bayer, President and Managing Director at Vibologics in Cuxhaven, Germany, and Tom Hockley, who's Chief Executive Officer at Vibologics based in Philadelphia. So who are this dynamic duo? Well, Stefan has spent the bulk of his career in the vaccines and biologic space. He has been head of Vibologics for almost 13 years, steering the business from a local startup to a global CDMO business that's now a world leader in the production of virotherapy products and oncolytic vaccines. Tom has over 25 years experience in the sector and prior to going to the business, he headed the cell and gene therapy operations for Lonza Houston. Today, Tom is responsible for the company's US expansion plans as the company sets its sights on developing a late phase commercial manufacturing facility on the East Coast of the US. Hi, gents. Welcome to the show. Hi, women. <laughs> Great. So this is experimental as well, guys. This is the first time I've ever had two guests on the podcast. So let's just see how it goes. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with Stefan. Um, Stefan, it would be great to give our listeners uh, a bit of an overview of, of you and, and, and your background and, and how you ended up uh, you know, with the company and, and ultimately ended up running the company as well. So if you mind just kind of telling us your backstory, that would be great. Yeah, I started uh, studying my <clears throat> biology, microbiology, biotechnology. I, I've never thought about that. I would enter up uh, later on uh, by uh, developing a company to a more or less <clears throat> global company in uh, in the field of viral therapy. Because I started as a microbiologist, I studied actually biology, uh, turns then uh, towards microbiology field. And at the beginning, I was a biochemist almost <clears throat> before I turned uh, uh, towards the natural drugs, the soil-borne drugs. I learned the molecular biology behind that. And uh, then it came, uh, we are up to, to change to the industry. Again, working for a little company, uh, developing recombinant proteins and uh, a new antibody-like technology, which was called uh, Affilins. Uh, before I got this offer, coming over here to Germany, to the Cuxhaven site and uh, turning a business, which was established four years earlier, into a business for the manufacturing of vaccines, into a business for uh, all companies having a need to get uh, processed processes developed and also clinical trial material provided. And uh, during this uh, journey, uh, I learned a lot and uh, it was really diverse. And that's actually what I was always looking for. Uh, getting interest in something, being highly motivated and engaged, and then uh, uh, coming to a point where you can set objectives uh, achieving these objectives and then moving to the next uh, challenge. And so it happened with uh, Vibologics. Uh, we started this business, uh, or I didn't start it actually. It was my uh, <coughs> colleague who worked then later on in the Netherlands. Um, 
He started the business in 2002, worked mainly on veterinary products. I joined the company in 2006. We renamed the company to Vibologics and uh, quickly realized that there's a demand in the market for the manufacturing of oncolytic viruses and also vaccines, viral vector vaccines. We have run through the entire journey, the ups and downs in the biotech uh, industry. And uh, at the end, uh, these products made it uh, uh, more and more through the market and the demand got higher and higher so that it was uh, nice to see that we achieved the objectives we have set uh, earlier. Brilliant. And for sure, most of the customers, they came uh, from the US and it was not a big surprise because the uh, investors in the US are, are much more engaged in, uh, in uh, looking at new innovative technologies <laughs> as this is the case in, in Europe. Um, and uh, the viral therapy space, that was something mainly developed in Europe at the beginning, but was picked up very quickly uh, from the US. And here we have seen the first product. So a main portion of our uh, clients came from the US. And going back to our strategy in 1718, it was clear, let's go also closer to our customers and uh, define a strategy which makes this happen. And uh, with uh, a new investor coming in, uh, the Ampersand Capital Partner guys, we had the chance to realize our strategy. And uh, we started in May 2019 doing so. And uh, I'm so happy that we have been able to convince Tom joining us uh, in July this year to uh, continue that, that way and to uh, <clears throat> bring Vibologics on the US map. Stefan, that's, that's great. And I do have lots of follow-up questions, but I'm going to take a pause just there and I'm going to pass to Tom. Tom, uh, Stefan's given you a, a runway there <laughs> to talk about, uh, obviously, your role with the business. But I'd love to, to also uh, you know, share your background because you, you do have an incredible uh, background um, in, in the sector. So, yeah, give, give the listeners some context to how you ended up uh, you know, you know, at Vibologics. Well, thank you, Roman. Um, yeah, my uh, background is uh, quite different um, than Stefan's. I think is a lot more interesting. Uh, but I actually started my career as a U.S. Army officer and spent many years um, serving in the U.S. military. My first duty station was in Cuxhaven, Germany, um, which is kind of serendipitous that it's right near where our facility is. Um, after I left the military on active duty, I went to work for Johnson & Johnson and spent about a, a decade there working in various operational roles, um, making medical devices. And over those 10 years, uh, I got a good exposure to manufacturing and good manufacturing practices uh, under an FDA-regulated um, industry. Over the course of the next <laughs> 30 years, um, I've worked for medical device, pharmaceutical, biologics, human tissue, um, and consumer products. And uh, over the course of time, I've worked for $32 billion companies and I've worked for $16 million companies. I've uh, started up uh, four now, brand new facilities. And uh, every part of my career, I've learned from those experiences. And hopefully I will bring those um, to Vibologics. 
one of the reasons I came to Viable Logics was that I am so passionate about what we do. Um, when you have an opportunity to work in an industry that saves people's lives and dramatically improves the quality of people's lives, there's nothing better than that. So I'm extremely excited about this opportunity working with Stefan and the rest of the um, the company as well. Well, here, here, I think that's a, a great comment about, I suppose, the the value of what we do in, in the in the outsourcing space. And so I have lots of questions for you both. I'm just going to rewind back to Stefan. And Stefan, I, I believe you joined, I think you mentioned in 2006, and it was in a, a more commercial business development role. And uh, you became the CEO of the business a, a couple of years later. So I'm just curious to know, how that came about and I suppose your growth and uh, trajectory in the business was very fast. Um, was that, did you expect that when you arrive at the, arrived at the company or did it just, did it, did it happen organically? I think both is true uh, to a certain extent organically. Uh, but uh, to be honest, when I had the first interview, I got already the feeling this is something uh, where you can uh, continue your career and maybe you have a chance to uh, get a higher position. Uh, I remember very well the interview period and I, I got two offers uh, at, in these times. Uh, one came from Berlin and the other one from Cuxhaven, which is really countryside, very much in the north. And you would say that's not that attractive, at least at the beginning. But, uh, and, and, and it continued this way. Uh, the first interview was great, fantastic. I have seen right from the beginning, this is a company having a good chance to make a bigger business of that. I've seen that uh, uh, shareholders are looking to place a, a director of corporate and business development, that they have something additionally in mind. Uh, maybe a higher role for uh, later purposes. But um, after this interview, which was really great, I've made a little move uh, around the city and I thought mm, that's a bit critical. It was uh, early springtime, uh, ugly weather actually, everything very cloudy. The North Sea was still with a lot of ice blocks. And uh, during my uh, <coughs> run home, I already uh, gave my wife a call saying that's uh, that's a no-go. But the guys were very smart. They came back and convincing me. And at the end, it was a great decision doing so. As one about uh, 12 months later, uh, it was clear that uh, they were looking for a CEO. And as I obviously have uh, convinced them in my, in my performance, uh, I, I got this position then. Uh, end of 2007. Great. And you, you mentioned in your background, you talked about the ups and downs, uh, I suppose, of the biotech um, part of the industry. And, you know, at that time, Stefan, did you did you envisage, I suppose, the growth in, in, in viral therapy, you know, in, in oncolytic viruses, in the viral vector and gene therapy space? Did you did you see that coming back in 2006, 2007? Or was that something that's just been part of part of your journey? I think um, a little bit I got uh, this, this feeling there is something behind and in, in these times uh, uh, then then you wouldn't mind, okay, you, you can try and if it's not working out, then uh, you move to another company. But 
I got this feeling that the vaccine business, particularly the vaccine business, will change in the future. And that actually happened. When I, uh, I moved over here to Cuxhaven, uh, people told me, my friends told me, now you're working on the vaccines. Vaccines are only work uh, uh, active in the body if they are dirty enough. So, uh, and that raised <laughs> my eyebrows. But uh, uh, once I looked into this business and I did it before I signed the contract, I learned there are so many uh, aspects under development, so many new products. And this uh, facility and the few people, only a few, we have been seven, I think, they have enough uh, know-how and uh, <clears throat> expertise here to to make maybe the difference uh, for the next uh, steps. And uh, fortunately, uh, it paid off. Uh, it took a long journey. That's absolutely right. Uh, also because of these ups and downs in the bi biotech industry. But um, yeah. It was a white card season, I would say. Yeah, well, it's it's something something about uh, Vibologics I I actually love is that they almost look like an overnight success, and you know, <laughs> you've been there for the best part of twenty years, working working very hard in making that business a success. And and I just wanted to turn to Tom. Uh, Tom, you mentioned in your intro that you that you used to be uh, used to work, you know, at the U.S. Army, and I believe you're a platoon leader at the U.S. Army. So. I'm just curious to know what what did you learn from that experience and and how have you applied that to business? It's no surprise that you have a strong operations <laughs> background. So I'm just uh, yeah, I'm really interested to know how that uh, skill set that you developed uh, in the army is has um, has benefited you in your career. Yeah, I had a, had a great opportunity in the army and when I, while I was uh, at Johnson and Johnson um, to learn about leadership both through uh, on-the-job learning and also through um, school training. And one of the main things that I pulled out of the Army was that um, many people think that leadership is just giving orders, and it absolutely is not. It's understanding what drives people and understanding what's important to them, what skills they have, and making them feel important at that, that they are empowered to make those decisions. So I've taken those learnings along the way through all of my companies um, and tried to be a, a passionate and tireless leader that people are looking for, um, but at the same time being understanding and, and approachable. And uh, you know, those were some, some difficult years in the military. It's, it's hard, it's a lot of work, um, but I would not uh, take back one of those days or nor do I regret um, all that I learned uh, over the course of that time. Great. I love that. And, and, and tell me, you mentioned some of the businesses that you've worked for. I mean, I know, it, you know, Lonza, Integra and J&J, &J, like seriously, seriously big, big companies. So, and, you, and you mentioned kind of what brought you to Vivologic. So I'm just kind of curious to know, how have you found, I suppose, the difference in working with these, you know, giant organizations versus, say, the role that you have at the minute, which is, which I'm assuming is very, you have a lot of freedom to flex your muscles and actually make a huge impact in a, in a, in a smaller business. So what, does one float, float your boat more than the other, or has it just been different stages of your life, which, which has attracted you? No, it, it, it's absolutely different stages of my life. Um, cause I learned tremendously, um, at Johnson and Johnson, it's a huge company. It's a very well-run and well-respected company. And it's because they have great people there and they have great processes and procedures. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes what comes with that 
is uh, slow to move and inflexible. And that's one of the nice things about a company our size is that we can um, uh, pivot whenever necessary, whenever the market um, dictates that we do that. And as you can see during um, what's going on in the world with COVID, we have pivoted and it's because we are, we are small and nimble and, and can do that. Um, but I, I've taken away from those, those large companies some great philosophies, great learning, and I can apply that to, to the, the smaller company. So in, in other words, I kind of feel like I've gotten the best of both worlds and can, can use that to drive my business. Great. Thanks for that. Uh, that's great insight. And uh, Stefan, just you mentioned again in your, uh, in your kind of background and journey within the business, uh, obviously the, the investment from Ampersand Capital, uh, which I think was, was a year ago or, or so. And I'm just interested to know how that's changed the business uh, from one that I believe has kind of grown gradually over the years versus now where there's, uh, you know, huge investment going in, there's huge growth going in, in both in, in your facility in Germany, but also here on the, on the East Coast. So how, how has that been for you in terms of the experience, uh, I suppose, a contrast between the two? And I suppose, how excited are you now for, for where you are as a business? Thanks, Raymond, for this question. Uh, it gives me the opportunity to, first of all, thank our former shareholders who accompanied us this long way uh, before we have been in a position that, uh, to make the next step. And I knew Ampersand uh, even a year or two years uh, before we had been acquired by them. And um, it was clear from the beginning on, if we want to realize our strategy, we need somebody coming from the US, having this experience. We as a small company in, in these times and also today, um, there was a management, small, hopefully a good one, but a very uh, small one, only consisting of three people and having no experience to uh, set up a facility, a company in the United States. And the new shareholders, they brought this kind of experience to the table, <clears throat> having the right network, having a uh, uh, the experience, the track record here, and also uh, the financial backing, which uh, should enable us to uh, uh, realize uh, the establishment of a U.S. facility. And yeah, a lot of things changed then. Uh, the first one or two months, it was almost the same business as it was before. Uh, more mm -hmm. relations uh, during the late afternoons because of the different time zones. And uh, then uh, uh, we have been able to learn more and more to run the business in, uh, in a different way. Uh, we got uh, different angles we should look at. The perspective changed a bit, but it was done in a very smooth way. So nobody was getting afraid here uh, at our side. And uh, at the end, it shows that we have made the right decision uh, that way. And uh, at the end of 2019, then uh, it became clear that we that this strategy we suggested is uh, also a strategy uh, the shareholders wanted to uh, realize in the US and uh, we started there. And nowadays, Vibologics is already a different company. 
particularly for the management. Uh, we are on one hand <clears throat> very much uh, stressed because things are new, but all of us are very, very keen to learn these things. And on the, on the other hand, we see the results as we are growing and we are growing quickly. And that's also a result of the different perspectives we are taking into account now. And with Tom, I think we can make the next step to become an even better company uh, as it was ever before. I, I love what you said there about the stress and it, it gives me a kind of follow-up question for you, Stefan, around, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in knowing how your role has changed as in, is it, do you have, is it harder with investors on, you know, on board? Is it more stressful? Is it actually better to have this experience around you? I'm, I'm guessing it's a combination of all of those things, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what, <laughs> what it's like being in your shoes when you get uh, this, this level of investment and support, but also, I suppose, of the pressure that comes with that. Yeah, as you said, uh, you, are, you are right, actually. It's uh, a bit of all. And uh, my role uh, changed uh, to a certain extent, but at the other, uh, on the other hand, it's, it's almost the same. Uh, I'm running here the business in uh, Cuxhaven and uh, I'm trying uh, to achieve the objectives we want to achieve. Whether it's uh, more stressful than it was before, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree here because it's also a matter of what are your own objectives. Sure. And my sure. objective always were uh, to, to come to a point where you can make a difference. And that I did on my own, obviously all the former shareholders. And now with Ampersand, I'm, I'm very pleased to see that I have a counterpart speaking the same language. Uh, there's no need anymore to explain uh, biotechnology, virus manufacturing, viral vector manufacturing, uh, or the market we are in um, with uh, uh, long sentences. Uh, it's simply that we start directly uh, talking about uh, the, the points we have to talk about. And, and that makes a, a much more fun. So I don't feel to, I, I cannot say, that it's uh, for me a big change. Um, another point is that with Tom uh, uh, now in our company here, uh, we have much more opportunities and we get additional experience here, uh, which uh, will pay off very, uh, very quickly, I think. Uh, that's uh, what I've learned during the conversations I had during the last two months. Uh, that's very exciting. Um, his view on a couple of things are so helpful to uh, speed up our processes here. And, and that's ex uh, exactly what I was looking for. So uh, that's nice. But you are right, uh, women. Uh, the days are getting longer <laughs> a little bit. And they should be maybe a bit later. But that's again time zone. That's it. That's the joys of being in a, in a global business and a global industry where it, uh, it never seems to switch off. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector, the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Tom, you're, you're based over here on the, on the East Coast, um, and I'd love to hear your plans here in the US and obviously you know, the facility expansion and or, or investment and 
what is what is the company look like in terms of the next you know year and then beyond that the next three years you know really curious to see how ambitious you are and where you're going to take this business and given your track record i've got <laughs> no doubt that you will make it happen well sure yeah I'm very excited um to report that uh we have just signed a lease on a brand new gorgeous facility here in the Northeast in the U.S. And uh, within the next year, we expect to um, fully implement our plan and have a GMP commercial facility ready by the end of 2021. This facility um, is, is the next phase in our growth. The Cookshaven facility will provide uh, preclinical and clinical uh, preclinical and early stage clinical operations uh, with an expectations that we will do tech transfers and movement um, eventually for our customers to our late stage clinical and uh, full scale commercial facility here in the U.S. Uh, most of our customer base includes top 10 um, large global pharmaceutical companies and many biotech companies that are located here um, on the east coast of the U.S. So putting a facility over here uh, really allows us to provide them better service, um, both to their customers and, and their product. So over the next year, we will be um, outfitting our facility and uh, ramping up uh, both our validations and our hiring. Um, so we're looking for some, some great people to join our organization and be part of the Vibologics uh, story. And uh, within the next year, we will also be increasing the capacity at our Cookshaven facility so that we can uh, have even greater capacity for our preclinical and clinical operations over there. So we will be on both sides of the Atlantic, being able to provide support to the customers on both sides. And um, we're just really looking forward to this growth because there is, uh, at this point, a huge imbalance in our market between supply and demand and oncolytic viruses. Um, so we really think that we're poised well um, to fill that void and uh, provide great service to our customers. Well, that's, that's wonderful to hear and congratulations uh, to you both on, on the investment of the facility. And it sounds like it's gonna be uh, a very busy, but exciting uh, couple of years ahead. And uh, I'm going to come back to something that you said there, Tom, around, I suppose, demand in the market in, in just a moment. But but there was something you said there, which I was going to, which kind of leads me nicely on to my question. You mentioned kind of both sides of the Atlantic. And, you know, you know, as a person that has friends both in Germany and friends both in the US as well, I just wanted to ask how that combination of, I suppose, the German presence and the US presence um, culturally, how that works, and I suppose what <laughs> what does each side give you, um, Stefan? I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Obviously, uh, being in Germany, and what is I suppose Tom and the team in the US? What do they bring uh, that will will complement? I suppose the the German heritage of the company. Oh, that's a good question, and uh, that's a question uh, I think everybody would expect when, uh, when uh, particularly in these days. Uh, we are talking about the U.S. and uh, uh, continental Europe, uh, Germany. It's it's a big difference. Uh, what I've learned, and it's not a big surprise. But uh, I got the feeling that we are combining uh, 
the good parts of uh, both ends here in the best way. That's actually uh, my current feeling. We are in, uh, in continental Europe, in, in Germany, maybe a little bit more conservative. If we set up timelines, uh, they uh, usually are, uh, are a bit longer than uh, what we uh, see in the United States. And uh, the United States are very ambitious, are very pushy sometimes, and uh, I'm very keen to pick this up and bring this also uh, into our uh, uh, German side here and to our colleagues here. Uh, and um, the more we are working together, the easier it uh, becomes. And um, the only pity I have to uh, admit is that due to uh, COVID-19, we cannot meet uh, uh, in person as a talk is not uh, able to travel here over to Germany uh, uh, and we are not able to do the opposite going to the, to the US. And that's a big pity. On the other hand, as Tom got uh, really some experience with uh, some exposure to the German culture during his army time, uh, he, he got a fantastic understanding how the Germans think, how they behave and what they like to hear. And that's great. Um, I have to do the same and translate sometimes uh, uh, the behavior of, the, of our US colleagues here, as they are a bit more pushy, as they are sometimes a bit more direct, but that actually helps our business uh, a lot and makes us more global and helps us also to understand our US customers. Yeah, I, I love that. It's great insights there, Stefan. I think uh, I think the complimentary. I mean, I certainly see it. You know, being from Britain, the real compliment between, uh, I suppose, the German traits and, and the US ones. And Tom is uh, pushy, ambitious, direct. Is that a fair assessment <laughs> of uh, the American culture in terms of all, all the culture that you're bringing to the business? And and also, I suppose, the same question to you: in what what complementary skills do you uh, or behaviors and traits do you you get from your colleagues in, in Germany that will will set you for you know for the future? Yeah, that, that's a pill that's a little difficult to swallow. Uh, that we Americans are are pushy, but but Stefan is right. Um, Stefan and I agree on so many things, and uh, quite honestly, early morning U.S. time, uh, he and I have conversations, and and one of the things that are is very important to us as we have uh, facilities and people on both sides of the water, that we have a harmonized culture and that we are one company. So he and I are working diligently to make sure that happens. Um, but as he said, I, I understand the German philosophy and the culture after living there. And it's what made us successful today. Um, they have a proven track record of performance. They're a little conservative, um, but they say what they're going to do, and then they do it. And that's uh, quite important for our customers because <clears throat> our customers come to us uh, with their, their products, and in many cases, they consider them their children or, or their babies, and they want them to be handled appropriately and, and uh, diligently. So they, they provide that. And the, the way we have this set up is that we will get that first stage done over there using that culture. And then we can hit the ground running here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, we will continue to work to make sure that the culture on both sides of, of our um, company are, are one and the same and that we're all working passionately 
uh, for the end goal is, is to make the company successful and to provide these life-saving products to our customers. Yeah, maybe I have to add, and it shouldn't get misunderstood. Pushy is actually, from my point of view, more a compliment than everything else, because that's something which you need to bring a business up. All other things don't work, particularly if you want to combine and the businesses with the U.S. here and setting up the facility there. Uh, that, that makes uh, uh, it interesting. And uh, if we wouldn't have looked for a change, then we shouldn't have looked uh, to, to set up a facility in the, in the US. That's exactly what we were looking for. And uh, it happens now, and that's great. And uh, Tom is actually the right person to uh, uh, orchestrate it in that way. And um, th this will um, bring us and with us and also all customers to a, to the next level that's that's perfect yeah no i think that's a it's a really good point and uh yeah i'm certainly not trying to fight to get you guys to have a fight on the <laughs> on the <laughs> podcast <laughs> uh, before so i'm going to move on in, in a few moments and talk about the sector and uh, you know particularly around covid as well and i know you guys are involved in in manufacturing or, or development in that that space, but just before I do that, um, you guys talked a lot about your the backgrounds of your career and, uh, and I suppose the the longevity you've both had in your careers. So if if you could go back, what advice would you give to your twenty five year old self, um, Stefan? Is if you could you know rewind the clock and you know have that conversation with a twenty five year old Stefan, is there any piece of advice you would give you'd give him? I don't think that he uh, does need any 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 kind of advice. Uh, I, I can only think about what what was for me of importance during the last uh, twenty years, and uh, also being most of the time, meanwhile, uh, a leader here for the company. And uh, the point is simply that uh, yeah, the, the key word is here actually respect. respect to people, respect to your colleagues, uh, respect uh, what they are doing uh, and acknowledging it. And uh, um, that, that was actually my, my guideline. And uh, uh, that doesn't mean at the same time that you, are, uh, that, that you shouldn't be demanding. That's uh, what has to come into the game as well. But if you treat the people as a white way, I think that's that's the way uh, what I learned during the last uh, twenty years. It's a it's a really interesting point, and I think one that doesn't come up enough actually in in the in, in these uh, interviews that I've done with with leaders who are often very respectful people. But it's actually it's nice to hear someone actually say that word because I think, I do think it's a very powerful word, and certainly most successful leaders that I see in business. Uh, you know, it's that classic. You know, you treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, with that level of respect, and that often going back to what Tom you said before around leadership. You know, when you do that, you you tend to get people that follow you uh, because you are a respectful person. So, so Tom, is there any advice? Um, I'm guessing you may have been in the army back then. I'm not sure when you when you're 25, you can probably picture <laughs> where you are. What is there any words of wisdom you'd give to a 25 year old Tom? Oh, absolutely. 
Um, quite, quite honestly, because um, I have been in business so long, I do talk to uh, young employees and young people, um, coaching and mentoring. And I look back at my career and uh, realize that along the way, I made a lot of mistakes and everybody's going to make mistakes. Don't fear risks. Don't fear making a mistake because it corrects uh, your path if you learn from it. Um, and don't don't worry about it because once once you learn from that risk, you probably won't do it again. Um, always be open to learning, and, and be always be open to expanding your knowledge through different opportunities. If you're not comfortable with some something and you're thinking about not doing it, do it anyway, because failure is part of our learning process, and it makes us who we are. Um, and, and most importantly, as Stefan said, respect. There's a difference between a manager and a leader. A leader respects people and gets that respect. Um, and in a, a lot of regards, I don't think a manager does. Um, so it's, I learned that when I was 25 and I continue to try to um, use that in every decision I make. That's great. That's great advice uh, for not only younger people that are, you know, developing a career in the sector, but I suppose people of all levels. And it's it's a great reminder. So I just wanted to spend the last five minutes um, talking about, I suppose, the sector uh, at large. And you know, obviously we can't uh, we can't <laughs> we can't not acknowledge COVID and what's happening, uh, I suppose, in in the wider world. So, um, Stefan, in terms of COVID and 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 your business. You know, I read online as well, you know, in, in research around obviously the, the work you're doing for Johnson and Johnson in terms of supporting them with their with their candidate. How how has COVID impacted uh, your business? And um, you know, dare I say, is it is it going to give the business more opportunities or, or raise the profile of the business going forward? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, COVID nineteen is determining our activities more and more. And I'm uh, look, uh, trying to find, uh, meanwhile, some argument what are the positives of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic right now. And uh, the only positive I see here, and that's actually the, the very only one uh, I can imagine it, that the vaccine uh, uh, sector get, um, finds a, a new kind of attraction uh, as it uh, makes absolutely clear that we are uh, highly exposed to infectious diseases um, and that we have to work on vaccines as well as on uh, drugs to treat such infectious diseases. In this global world, it's, it's not uh, anymore uh, contained uh, within a border, it's, it's global. And that's the same for the business, actually, yeah? Vaccine manufacturers uh, uh, get new orders, uh, large orders. We are talking about billions of doses. New uh, COVID-19 vaccines will be developed. We can take advantage of that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the developments of other drugs uh, are being delayed. Mm -hmm. Delayed because the uh, uh, in intensive care units are blocked by COVID-19 patients or they put with <clears throat> reservations uh, for COVID-19 uh, patients, taking away uh, the capacities uh, for uh, patients getting treated with new uh, medicines here. Mm -hmm. But even 
when it comes to manufacturing, and that's our uh, core business here, uh, we feel more and more that the supply chain uh, uh, is showing shortages. Um, whether it's uh, gloves, whether masks, and these are the simple uh, things, uh, piped tips and whatever comes there, we are getting drained somehow, and uh, we have to think differently meanwhile. And also our customers, not yet, fortunately, uh, uh, but they may also uh, experience a delay of uh, delivering the uh, clinical trial material uh, if we as Vibologics do not find the right uh, uh, measures to avoid such. And this is one of the biggest challenges we have faced to uh, right now. So far, everything goes well. We have the uh, measures in place here. We have uh, filled our warehouses and hopefully beginning of next year, the situation will uh, uh, improve mm -hmm. and hopefully significantly. But yeah, COVID-19 determines right now many, many things, too many things. There's some, there's some really fascinating points in what you said there, Stefan. And if I understood correctly, you, you believe that there almost will be a, a greater focus on vaccines going forward as a, as a result of this, but in the longer term. But in the shorter term, actually, the focus on COVID is is having, a, I suppose, a negative impact on other areas of the industry in terms of other clinical trials and other uh, drug products, which is, uh, it's a really fascinating insight uh, that, that you've shared there. And, and Tom, from, from your perspective, I'm sure it's, it's similar to, um, uh, to to what Stefan said, any other big trends and shifts that you're seeing right now? And obviously in particular with the facility expansion you mentioned in the US, um, you know, that's presumably gonna give you guys a, a real base for for growth going forward, and, and you talked about the demand before, and is uh, is it directly linked to that increasing demand in the market that you you know Vibologics is going to be best placed to hopefully take advantage of that demand? Yeah, I I echo exactly what Stefan um, has mentioned about the impact of COVID to our business in not only delaying uh, what is going on in the clinics, but also the focus of many of our uh, customers and the large pharmaceutical companies. So prior to COVID, there was this imbalance between supply and de demand and manufacturing of, of viral vaccines and viral vectors and oncolytic viruses. It's gotten much worse because of COVID because all everything that could be has been focused on COVID. So many of these other uh, products and processes have been put on hold. So we will find a cure or, or a vaccine for COVID. I, I'm, I'm confident of that. And then those customers are gonna change their focus to some of the projects that were already in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. So that, that imbalance between supply and demand is only gonna get worse. So the timing of our facility is actually going to be pretty good that as we come online at the end of 2021, that's really when I feel that a lot of these companies will be reinvigorating these projects on other disease states. And um, as we go through the planning of our facility, we're ready to start working with those customers and be able to provide that manufacturing capability and capacity um, as we head out of 2021 into 2022. Oh, that's great. And it sounds like exactly what you said there, Tom, you know, the company's very well positioned to, to 
not only take advantage from a commercial perspective, but in you know, in, in keeping with some of the language you guys have used around, you know, helping uh, helping meet that demand and ultimately helping you know <laughs> develop and make life saving drugs, which is what you guys do, is a, is a great thing. And my final question for you both, um, just because we're almost out of time, I mean, we could we could probably talk for hours about COVID and and the, and the stress on the supply chain. Um, Stefan, in particular, with respect to what you said around you know, what's happening in the sector right now, if if there was one change that you could make to the sector that we operate in, you know, the global outsourcing space, if the, you know, to to make the sector better, more efficient, uh, more productive, what whatever that is, what would that what would that change be? Uh, that's actually a, a very good point and uh, can be linked to what Tom said uh, earlier. We will experience this kind of delay and uh, projects are waiting in the pipelines of our customers and potential customers. And then once we have been able to manage COVID-19, the one will start, the waste will start and everybody is looking to find uh, capacities in the industry, in the CBMO uh, industry. And what I would like to change is uh, actually to, to come into a position that uh, the service uh, provider like Vibologics and the customer, uh, the developing company, that they um, meet earlier and set up strategies already uh, for the period after COVID-19. As we can be sure that there is not enough capacity uh, available the demand will in these times and be much higher than people are expecting right now. So my point would be uh, that a strategic partnership, for example, may help to uh, face these new challenges then. Mm-hmm. Great. I love that, Stefan. And Tom, same question to yourself. You know, if there was just one change you could make in the sector, what would it be? Um, what I would really like to see, and, and uh, it's just just a hope and maybe, maybe a dream, is a little bit more of standardization in our industry or, or a template um, that many companies would use. Uh, as we develop all these different processes, um, many companies come with a different approach and, and you have to customize your process to that approach. I think as our industry matures, and you're starting to see a little bit of that, uh, there would be more standardization on equipment and processes so that we can get through um, development much quicker and bring these, these life-saving um, drugs to market quicker because of that. I think it's a, it's a fascinating point to end the discussion, and I think it's something that's come up a few times in my interviews, actually, Tom, around this idea of almost reinventing the wheel every time a new project comes in and it's done uh, slightly differently by every company, I think that that standardization would make uh, the, the, the entire sector more efficient and hopefully get drugs to market quicker. So, Stefan, Tom, honestly, I've really enjoyed having you both on on Molecule to Market. It's been uh, it's been great to find out about the business and the exciting things uh, that clearly lie ahead uh, for the logics. And uh, yeah, I wish you both all the best and thank you for coming on as guests on Molecule to Market. Hi 
again. Thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com, and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and we will see you again next week. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences.